Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. You know, folks, I think my experience in a past life is going to be relevant, extremely relevant to today's show. There are some things I learned during my time as a federal agent, especially doing protection type details and investigations that are going to play into this today. There was a really, really interesting appearance by Darren Beatty on the Tucker Carlson show last night. And I want to explain what I think is going on behind the scenes at this Putin summit, given that I did a summit with the Russians for the Star Treaty. I know exactly how they operate. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Don't let big tech spy on you. Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. It is an extremely packed news day today. So welcome to the Dan Bongino show. We'll get right to that, including more of failed now, politician pretending to be attorney general, what I called on my radio yesterday, uh, who I called uh, the Againo attorney general in name only, uh, Merrick Garland. More on his failures, which are getting abundant. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Do you ever read the fine print that appears when you start browsing in incognito mode? It says your activity might still be visible to your employer, your school, or your internet service provider. Why bother calling it incognito mode? To really stop people from seeing the sites you visit, you need to do what I do. Get a VPN at ExpressVPN. Think about all the times you've used Wi-Fi at a coffee shop, hotel, even your parents' house. Without ExpressVPN, every site you visit could be logged by the admin of that network. That's still true even when you're in incognito mode. I mean, you really want your parents to see what you've been looking at online? What's more, your home internet provider can also see and record your browsing data. In the U.S., they're legally allowed to sell that data to advertisers. ExpressVPN's an app. It encrypts all of your network data and reroutes it through a network of secure servers so that your private online activity stays private. ExpressVPN works on all your devices and is super easy to use. The app literally has one button. Tap it to connect. It's that simple and your browsing activity is secure from prying eyeballs. Stop letting strangers invade your online privacy. Protect yourself today. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Use my link at expressvpn.com slash Bongino to get three extra months free. That's expressvpn.com slash Bongino to learn more today. All right, Joe, let's go. All right. So this Putin summit, uh, we have to get to this quickly because it's important. I have some background here. One of my assignments when I was on the Presidential Protection Division with the Secret Service on uh, Barack Obama's detail. Uh, I was the lead advance on a foreign trip over in the Czech Republic where Obama and Medvedev signed START II, the START Treaty about um, uh, our nuclear proliferation. It was, an, it was a fascinating trip to be a part of. I found the, the, the Czech security forces to be uh, extremely professional. They knew what they were doing. Some of the best I, I had ever worked with at that time. But something happened at the Putin-Biden summit earlier today. If you'll notice, you know, going into it, uh, you know, it gives me no joy. Listen, Putin, let's, get, let's just get this out of the way right now. Uh, Putin is a killer, a tyrant, practices fascist communist tactics, and is an enemy to the United States and freedom around the world. Period. Period. I, that, I, I, I don't know how anyone could negotiate otherwise or, or debate otherwise or even... There's there's a barely a counterpoint to that. Having said that, it's clear he's going into this trying to puff, you know, peacock, chest puff. You know, remember the uh, the guy from Couples Retreat? Yes, puff your chest. You know, he's clearly chest puffing on Biden. 
It's obvious, and he's taking advantage of them in the beginning. Why did I tell you that story about me working with them in the beginning? Not to chest punch myself, but to show you what happened there, give you my perspective on what I think he was doing. So Putin's a killer. He's a bully. That's what he does. He's always done that. And if he sees weakness, he will try to take advantage of it. So what happened? They had this sit down and there was supposed to be a quick press spray. You may have saw it or saw it earlier this morning. Spray being, you know, photos and stuff, you know, click, click, click. And then they get out. So the way these things work is we're typically given an equal number of U.S. press press and, and, and Russian press, whoever Russia wants in the room. So if we're given, say, 12, then they're given 12. So I assume what happened, having done it before, is Biden and Putin sat down in the room. I think Tony Blinken was there, right? Uh, and uh, the Russian, was it Lavrov, was in the room with Putin. So it was just two. Biden plus one, Putin plus one. So again, you'd assume in the pre-advanced meetings, they agreed to a specific number of press on each side. Putin being the bully that he is, wasn't having that. He was going to flex, look at this. He was like, check out my pipes. Right before the meeting even started, Putin needed to flex. So what did he do? His people tried to keep the American press out and let the part of the Russian press in. Folks, it's not a small thing. I'm telling you, I've been behind the scenes and I've seen this. The Russians always want parity. When I did the START II signing treaty in the Czech Republic, there was only, always three people in the room. There was a Czech security representative, of me, the Secret Service, and the Russian counterpart. Whatever we got, the Russians wanted. It didn't matter if they even had the assets, they'd fly them in. Quick story. So we had counter-sniper coverage at the, at the summit. Our snipers, we had up, I'm not going to say how many, but we had quite a few, and we had them giving full coverage around the building the summit was in. The Russians wanted the same number, even though they didn't even have the assets. They didn't have the assets. They were like, no, no, uh, let's throw out a number. We want 12. We're at 12, but you get the point. So I said, yeah, we need 12. The Russians were like, we want 12 too. And then we said, well, we want seven post-standers inside the signing location where Obama and Medvedev were going to sign this treaty, right? They were like, we want the exact same number. They didn't even know the posts have. We did. I could have made the number up is the point. I could have said, um, no, we want post standards, by the way, are secret service agents we put on the inside to help secure the, the president and the shift. The shift works around the president. I could have made the number up totally. I could have said, we want 47 post standards inside. They would have been like, we want 47 too. It's a flexing thing. Hey, look at me. Pipes, chess, peacock. Uh, you know, a uh, couple's retreat guy. Yes, yeah, that's all they want. They want this. They just want parity because they want to show you, hey, we know what we're doing too. I didn't find their security services that impressive to be candid with you. I found the checks to be very impressive, but this is a Putin power play because I'm telling you the number of press, just like the number of counter snipers and post standers was negotiated in advance. So say it was 12 American press, 12 Russian press. Everybody in the room knew that. The fact that the Russians told the American press, you can't come in, was a way before the meeting for Putin in his typical bully way, that's the way he is, to give the double-barreled middle finger to the Biden administration and say, nope, not today. Before this meeting even starts, I'm going to tell you to go pound sand, and I give zero hits with an S in front of it about what you think. That's exactly what that was. It was not a mistake. It was done on purpose. That's how Putin is. Granted, we were there. It was Medvedev's team. It was the same routine with them. They Everything we had, they want. We had a security room on the floor. They wanted a security room. It didn't even matter if they had communications equipment. They didn't care. Flex and move on Putin. Guys have 
chest puffing bully. And you got to just power right through him and his people. We didn't let them steamroll us, but we didn't have a choice with the checks. The checks, you know, obviously didn't want to, you know, piss off the Russians. So they agreed to most, most of their demands. But that's it. They want what you have. All right. Got a lot of content to get to today. Folks, we're in a really dangerous spot. I discussed yesterday at length, and I hope you listened to the show because it was an important one, about the weaponization of our institutions, institutions that were revered in the past. Our Department of Justice, I shouldn't say revered, but respected at least. Unfortunately, in the distant past, because over the last decade, they've been um, completely castrated and populated with a bunch of political actors, the DOJ, the FBI, and elsewhere. And it pains me to say it because, as I've said often, I'll say again, I'm never going to lie to you. I worked with FBI agents when I was a Secret Service agent in the Long Island office and in the New York office of the Secret Service, and they were great. They were very competent, they were good people. A lot of friends of mine left the Secret Service uh, to go over and work with the FBI, and they've been there for a long time. So it pains me to see these institutions go up in front of the American people. The Department of Justice, led by the Againo, Attorney General in name only, Merrick Garland, who is a total politician now, to go up in front of the American people like Garland did again and just make stuff up. Let me play this cut here. And there's two takeaways I want you to take from this. Here's Merrick Garland promoting again the myth, what I believe is also foreign propaganda meant to divide us, that there's some race war brewing in the United States because the biggest threat to the homeland in our existence is white supremacy all over everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no facts or data to back up the claim that this is the most prominent threat in the United States. So pay close attention to this video clip here, Merrick Garland. And two takeaways before we start. This will lead to misplaced priorities, number one, because we will allocate taxpayer funding, FBI assets, to a threat that's subordinate to other threats. And second, pay attention to how this can be used for political targeting. Check out the Againo, Merrick Garland, yesterday. Check this out. The number of open FBI domestic terrorism investigations this year has increased significantly. According to an unclassified summary of the March intelligence assessment, the two most lethal elements of the domestic violence extremist threat are racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists and militia violent extremists. In the FBI's view, the top domestic violent extremist threat comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically those who advocated for the superiority of the white race. Folks, that's a bold claim, is it not? I mean, it's the Attorney General of the United States was the awesome power to dictate the priorities of powerful agencies like the FBI, ATF, and other entities out there. He's saying something in front of the world stage, not in private, that he believes white supremacist groups are the biggest threat to the homeland. Now, again, I've discussed this topic often, but it is worth repeating because it is so important. Having seen the federal law enforcement infrastructure from the inside, I get how some people out there, some, not all, conservatives are kind of hip to this stuff, but some moderate Republicans and moderate Democrats, they know this is false. They know on its face that it's laughable that this is not the biggest threat to the United States. We have China, Russia, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, terror groups, AQAP, we have terror groups all over the world that would annihilate us tomorrow. So we know this claim to be false. But there are some people down the center of the aisle who will say to you, because I've heard it, oh, whatever, it's just posturing. He's the attorney general. This is really no big deal. I'm not kidding. They've kind of implied as much in their conversations. They imply that because they can't produce any evidence that this is true, that white supremacists, uh, supremacy is the biggest threat in the United States to our homeland. 
Folks, it's not harmless. It's not just a gyno propaganda from our attorney general in name only. It's not. This has very real consequences which could get people hurt or killed. I told you the two things to pay attention before we went in. I'll tell you them again on the way out of that video. This is what people are policy, ladies and gentlemen. Merrick Garland, what he says is the attorney general, is policy. That's policy now. Well, did he, you know, write it down and, and, and build it into the FBI uh, handbook? He doesn't have to. He's the attorney general. He gets to dictate the allocation of manpower and money as to where we are going to prioritize our law enforcement and intelligence opportunities within the FBI and DOJ. And he's telling you all right there that he is going to allocate those resources towards a white supremacist terror threat that he says needs primacy is number one. Well, what does that mean? Ladies and gentlemen, the FBI is barely as big as the NYPD personnel-wise. The NYPD might be bigger. The numbers fluctuate. Think about that. The New York City Police Department has roughly as many personnel as the FBI that covers the entire country. They only cover New York City. A sliver of the landmass of the entire United States. This is zero sum. When Merrick Garland goes out there and says, we are going to allocate money and people towards a threat I just told you is the top threat, even though we all know it isn't. It's a threat. It's not the top threat. Even though we all know it isn't. And you have, say, 20,000 FBI agents. I don't know how many there are now, 20, 25 actual agents, maybe a little more. And you say, we're going to donate, uh, or dedicate, excuse me, one-tenth or one-twentieth of the workforce to this threat and not to Al-Qaeda. Then those are people not investigating Al-Qaeda. This is very real. You know, some commentators, I'm going to lead to knock other people. They all have their area of expertise. But I've been there. I've done this. This is not just, oh, it's just Merrick Garland posturing for Biden. No, no. These are actual agents not getting paid to investigate ISIS and al-Qaeda and getting paid to basically investigate a threat. We're having a hard time finding threats to investigate. This is real. When I was a young agent, I'll never forget this. Sorry, I got an itch on my neck here. When you come out of uh, Secret Service training, they stick you on treasury tra uh, check cases. Folks, they're the dumbest cases ever. Dumbest in that we should be doing so much more. We protect the president. They should have left that to the IRS or someone else. But for some reason, the Secret Service at the time didn't want to give it up. I love the service, but it was just stupid. They call them T-check investigations. What would happen? You know, whatever. Joe Gee gets a tax, uh, their tax return check back. Treasury sends them a $1,000 refund, right? They've overpaid in their taxes. You know, you'd get it every, now they usually do it electronically, but back then all of it was done via Treasury check. Folks, criminals knew right, right around the window of time the Treasury would mail out refund checks. It's like a certain window of time when people do their taxes. So they would go mailbox diving, steal the checks, sign them and cash them. We would waste more time on these dopey investigations for a $500 treasury check. Leave that to, you know, the, the IRS or others or the Treasury Department or TIGTA or whatever it was. Why were we doing that? And the answer is because someone in the director's office at the time thought it was a good idea. The Secret Service would investigate treasury checks. I have no idea why. They deemed it a priority. Therefore, what were we not doing? 
We were not spending time on protective intelligence cases, presidential threats, critical infrastructure, and other important stuff. There is a real penalty to this. I cannot emphasize this enough. I believe it's the value of this show in relationship to other shows out there that haven't seen it from the inside. It's not a knock on them. They have very specific areas of expertise I don't have, and their shows are valuable for other reasons. It's not a knock. I've seen it. When Garland says that, you lose assets investigating ISIS and al-Qaeda. But second, the second part, not just misplaced priorities, penalty to Garland's ridiculous white supremacy is the number one threat speech, is, folks, this can be abused for political targeting. This white supremacist label has become a label applied to things where the relationship to a race motive is almost non-existent. How many times have you heard about the January 6th incident up at the Capitol ties to white supremacy when no one can seem to produce any evidence that there was actual white supremacy involved? Folks, that's a problem. We should investigate what happened up there. But tying it to a racial motive when you don't have any evidence of an actual racial motive, is that a political gesture or is that a law enforcement one? And do you see how this can be applied to anything? Certain candidate runs for office they don't like. All of a sudden, the FBI is investigating white supremacy. He talked to a guy who knew a guy who talked to a guy who was on Capitol Hill January 6th, white supremacy. You see where this can go? How you have a bunch of FBI agents now, follow me, who have nothing to investigate because these attacks by white supremacists, thankfully, are so few and far between, so they have to go find stuff to do. They're in their office trying to impress their boss. Now, all of a sudden, they get a tip from a guy that says, hey, candidate uh, you know, Joey Bag of Donuts is running for office on Long Island. I heard he put a parlor post up, which linked to a Twitter post, which linked to a Facebook post by the friend of a cousin who was at January 6th. The FBI guy's like, I got to make a case. Merrick Garland said white supremacy, number one. So they start investigating this guy. Do you see how this goes down the road to tyranny like that? Lickety split? Right, like Frank, good point. Remember Frank Fugazi, the FBI assistant director who goes on MSNBC? We played that cut last week. You don't understand. Trump put the flags, and he says half mass should be half staff. On 8-8, August 8th, 8-8 is uh, short for Heil Hitler. And we were like, wait, what, dude? What are you, that's, it's a perfect example. He doesn't have evidence of this mass white supremacist conspiracy to take down the United States everywhere, that it's the number one threat. So they just make it up. Folks, the FBI agents I work with are just people. When they're told by their boss, go find white supremacists, I promise you, they'll find them. They'll find them. Even if they have to, air quotes, find them. Now. I never make a point on the show without backing it up with solid fact-based evidence. I had my, my editor-in-chief of BonginoReport.com, our alternative to the liberal drudge report, I had him put together a piece at Bongino.com about the white supremacist threat, and I wanted to see the actual data. How is it that our government agencies are piecing together a series of data points to conclude that white supremacy is the number one threat in the United States? I'm genuinely puzzled because no, we don't seem to see anywhere in local police departments mass outbreaks of white supremacy anywhere. So where are you getting this data? 
I'll get to that in a second. Let me get to my second sponsor, and then I want to move on and show you the real-world consequences of this misallocation of assets and political targeting right now, going on right now. Folks, listen, let me be blunt. The first thing that goes in the breakdown of order is the food supply chain. When the economy falls apart, you're going to start seeing bare shelves if it does. God forbid that happens to you. Everything in your life you care about, you insure. Your health, your car, your teeth. How can you not insure your food? You got to do it. Food's important. You can't stay alive. It's as simple as that. Unfortunately, a scenario, given what we're seeing, could happen. That's why I urge you to get a supply of long-term storage emergency food from my friends at My Patriot Supply. They're the number one leader right now in the country in emergency preparedness and self-reliance, and they can help you survive whatever comes down the pike. Right now, you can save 25% of their four-week emergency food kit, which contains a wide variety of delicious meals that give you a minimum of 2,000 calories a day. I have about 10, 12 boxes of this. I lost count. I buy it myself. Their food stays fresh for up to 25 years, so it's there when you need it. Be sure to get one for every member of your family. Just go to preparewithdan.com where you'll find this special offer. That's preparewithdan.com. Do it now. Crises don't give warnings. Go to preparewithdan.com today. Thanks, my Patriot Supply. So again, on this show, how we're never going to waste your time like the left, and we're not going to lie to you like the left does, there's a piece I'd like you to read in my newsletter today, uh, bongino.com slash newsletter, if you'd like to access it. It's free, of course. It's called... Biden falsely claims white supremacist terrorism is a greater threat than ISIS and Al-Qaeda by my friend Matt Palumbo. How do they get these numbers? Because one of the things the left does, ladies and gentlemen, is they won't say anything publicly that they can't massage certain statistics about. When I say massage statistics, believe me, I mean that in the nastiest way possible. They are not using numbers in the way the numbers should be used. They are using the numbers to tell a story they want to be told. So how did the DHS and government entities, Department of Homeland Security, our Homeland Security, get to this conclusion that the, quote, most persistent and lethal threat in the United States is white supremacy? A fact, again, most of you are like, that sounds insane. China, Russia, ISIS, Al-Qaeda. Here, from Matt's piece. First, they give the quote from the DHS report in Matt's piece. Here's the quote. American domestic violence extremists, racially and ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically white supremacist extremists, will remain the most persistent and lethal threat to the homeland, reads the key passage of this DHS report. Noting that from 2018 to 2019, white supremacists conducted half of all lethal attacks, eight total, among domestic violent extremists, resulting in 39 out of 48 deaths that year from domestic extremism. Oh. Wow. All right. That sounds interesting. 2018 to 2019, we had this, these eight attacks resulting in 39 out of 48 deaths. You know what's interesting? Again, the timeline they use. Go back to the piece. You'll see it continues. For reference, the 2016 ISIS-inspired Pulse nightclub massacre alone killed 49 people. More than all white supremacists combined in both 2018 and 2019. You see what they do? You see how politicized people in the DHS and the intel community politicized. They're not doing what they should be doing, producing unbiased intelligence for people in the public and secret intelligence for official use only on the inside for policymakers to make decisions. That's not what they're doing. It's in reverse. Follow me. The way intelligence is supposed to work, obviously, 
is nonpartisan professionals go out and gather unbiased intelligence. They then put that intelligence together. They, they generate opinions. Is this real? Is that real? Is this fake? Is this propaganda? Is this, uh, you know, a foreign misinformation, disinformation campaign? They come to some consensus opinion. They give the information to lawmakers and the president. That's not the way it's working now. The way it's working now is you have the president and politicians who are supposed to be getting information from intelligence officials and making decisions, making decisions in advance and giving it to intelligence officials to generate intelligence. You have Biden and his identity politics uh, focused insider cabal of, of feckless idiots Merrick Garland and others making stuff up, saying to the intel community, the FBI, hey, guys, wink, wink and a nod. White supremacists are our biggest threat. You get it? They're like, okay, we'll get intelligence, air quotes, back to you in a minute. Look what we found. 2018, 2019, a boatload of attacks by white supremacists and deaths. Yeah, it's interesting. You left out 2016. You also left out that 9-11 incident that killed more Americans due to an Al-Qaeda-sponsored attack than, the, uh, than what we've seen in an entire century? The most, uh, in one single attack, the most deadly single attack we've seen on American soil ever? It's convenient when you leave that out. And what's the result? Again, you have not only misplaced priorities, and political targeting from lying to people and telling them that the biggest threat is white supremacy. Now, I'm not saying it's not a threat. I'm telling you, triaging, it is not the biggest threat. They are massaging the data because you don't only really have misplaced priorities and political targeting possibilities. You also have a reverse intelligence flow, which I cannot express to you enough how dangerous that is. The fingerprint, the hallmark, of every tyrannical regime and fascist regime throughout human history has been a reverse intelligence flow. Every single one where political leaders to make political points, what have they done? They've gone to their intelligence officials and they've said, I need you to draw this conclusion, not the other way around, where intelligence officials are producing intelligence to have conclusions be drawn. You understand how dangerous that is? Folks, this has led to some real-world consequences. I'm going to play this video here, and I'm going I'm to get to exactly how what I just told you, misplaced priorities, the allocation of assets, and political targeting, I believe could be happening right now. Darren Beatty was on the Tucker Carlson show last night on Fox News. Darren Beatty's a reporter. He's talking about how the FBI may have had informants, either paid informants, working informants, or potential FBI assets within the FBI inside of these groups, some of the groups that were involved in this January 6th incident. And what Beatty has to say here is fascinating. Check this out. I believe the key that unlocks the truth to 1-6 is the following question. To what extent were the main militia groups imputed to the 1-6 so-called capital siege? To what extent was there infiltration of those groups by undercover agents or informants? And to what extent 
When we see the unindicted co-conspirators who occupy senior positions in those groups, to what extent are those people being spared prosecution on account of a prior relationship with the federal government? Yeah. Those two questions create a thread. And when we pull that thread, the ugly truth of that event and perhaps even the country we live in will be exposed. Fascinating piece, no? Did the FBI have a number of informants inside these groups? You may say, well, Dan, um, you know, if these groups were plotting something, then, you know, maybe that would be me good to have, right? Well, it brings up an interesting question, right? The FBI have these same informants infiltrating ISIS, Al-Qaeda. They have these same informants infiltrating BLM and Antifa that burned down American cities. Again, ladies and gentlemen, it's about the allocation of assets. Why were people allowed to burn down the courthouse in Portland, but people thrown in solitary confinement for the incident on January 6th at the Capitol? Where were the FBI assets? Are you putting your, is that okay? Is that, is, is are we accepting the whole Portland courthouse burning thing? More on this in a minute. Let me get to my next sponsor. Our friends at MyPillow. But now you've heard me talk about MyPillow. Use it, love it, sleep on it every night. I love all their products. They're super comfortable. They do a really great job. The quality's off the charts. The pillows are just the best out there. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape. Best of all, they're made in the USA. Again, only downside from this, like my mattress is, you know, you go to a hotel, you sleep in terrible hotel pillows. You want So sometimes what I'll do, I'll stuff my pillow in a bag or take their travel pillow. Mike Lindell wants to thank all of his customers with the best deal ever. For a limited time, Mike is offering his queen-size premium my pillow for $29.98. Yes, I said it, $29.98. His pillow is regularly $69.98. That's a $40 savings, and the kings are only $5 more. Follow my lead on this one. Mike has towels, pillows, and slippers. I have them all. And I like all of their products. The slippers are made. I got one right here. Check this bad boy out. You don't get more comfortable than that. Look at the inside. Crazy. Got my Hunter Biden pictures down there, too. Go to mypillow.com and click on the radio listeners tab and use promo code Dan. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets too. Or you can call 800-951-7163 and use promo code Dan. Again, call 800-951-7163, use promo code Dan, or visit MyPillow.com. Click on that radio listener square, use promo code Dan. 800-951-7163, promo code Dan. Check them out today. You'll love their products. All right. Sorry, folks. Stuff's spilling everywhere. Don't want to lose my Hunter Biden material. Sorry, I had to get away from the mic. I know that drives people crazy, as it should. I think I'm getting spammed right now on the Watch this. This is, I think, someone who got a hold of my number. She's, it's, it's a person's telling me it's my mom. I'm serious. This is happening in live time. Okay, let's try a trick. What's your maiden name? Ha! Let's see. Let's see if they get this one right. I'll see if they answer. All right, but getting back to the show and the important stuff. So if the FBI managed to infiltrate these groups they claim are involved in the, you know, these are allegations still, the January 6th incident at the Capitol, then why can't the FBI dedicate the exact same assets to breaking up Antifa and BLM that burned down American cities and tried to burn down a federal courthouse in Portland? 
Folks, I'm asking questions that are serious. They should, liberals should be asking these questions too. Why is it that this group became a priority? How is that? The group involved with January 6th, what were the decisions made there? Because when that group's made a priority with a zero-sum assets, there's only a limited number of FBI personnel, and there's an extremely limited number of undercovers and informants. Why pick that specific group first and let the other groups burn down American cities? If that's not a fair question, I would love for you to answer me why. Here's an article by Darren Beatty's uh, site, Revolver, which is very good. It'll be in my uh, show notes, and I encourage you to read it. Describes more of this. How the FBI may have had assets inside of these groups. The piece is titled, Unindicted Co-Conspirators in January 6 Cases Raised Disturbing Questions of Federal Foreknowledge. Now, unindicted co-conspirators. This is an important point here. Still hasn't answered, by the way. Thought you were getting one over. Not that stupid. Thank you. Unindicted co-conspirators appear often in criminal complaints and, you know, informations as well. Those are types of charging documents. If I'm charging Guy or Joe with a bank robbery, I put in the criminal complaint the fact pattern that led me to believe there was probable cause to arrest them. I saw them at the bank. They walked in with a gun. There's a videotape with them handing a bank teller. It's all evidence of probable cause. You would put in a complaint. In the criminal complaint, you typically lay out, you know, the the subject one, subject two. But it's interesting. You'll see unindicted people in there who may have been involved in the bank robbery, but their names aren't in there and they're not indicted. They, in other words, the the FBI is not seeking prosecution against them. But why? If there were, say, five people involved in the bank robbery and four of them are being indicted. But one of them is an unindicted co-conspirator. Why did that one person get off? Well, from the revolver piece, he explains why. It's done pretty well. He says, broadly speaking, there are three primary reasons to see an unindicted co-conspirator in a criminal complaint. First, and he's right, grants of immunity. Happens all the time. I'll get to that in a second. Second, pragmatic considerations. Third, evidentiary concerns. He says grants of immunity are traditionally only issued as a result of a plea deal reached between a defendant and prosecutors, specifically in exchange for agreeing to testify against the big fish in the conspiracy. A little fish may remain an unindicted co-conspirator and never be charged. He's absolutely right in the piece. That is the number one reason. The number one reason you'll see an unindicted co-conspirator in these in these charging documents. Someone flipped, folks. It's as simple as that. Somebody flipped. Someone in this group who, say, was a co-conspirator in a bank robbery, the driver or whatever, says, listen, man, I'm just the driver. I'm not going to jail. I'll give you everything. What happens after that uh, was it used to get back. There'd be a cooperation agreement drawn up. It's an actual agreement. The lawyer for the co-conspirator will sign it. The government will sign it, say, you agree to do this, this, and this. And then there'll be some kind of a plea agreement. That's what that is later on. And whatever that person does is written, taken down a letter. Like the FBI, for instance, will say, hey, the driver said this, gave us this information, which led to this. This information was like gave us the address that led to this. The judge will read that. And then, they'll, you know, the, they'll typically get a bunch of either they'll be not indicted at all or and they won't be charged at all. Or they'll take a plea for a lesser charge. But there are other reasons as well that people might be unindicted co-conspirators. Some of them may be FBI informants. Therefore, they're not going to indict them. 
Again, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just asking you about priority. I'm not suggesting to you that plots to take down the government from any side of the political aisle are not dangerous. They are. I'm not suggesting to you we shouldn't attack, uh, investigate to the moon attacks on police officers. I don't care where they come from. They should be. What I'm telling you, tying it back to the beginning in Merrick Garland is, how is the FBI determining what is a priority and what isn't? Or is it based on political targeting or actual law enforcement data? Because I'm reasonably confident the case I just laid out to you is there is no data to back this up that this is, in fact, the top priority or should be the top priority of the FBI. You doubt me still that the FBI at the upper levels has a real problem with political targeting and not fact-based, nonpartisan, unbiased law enforcement? Well, Guy mentioned Figlizzi before, Frank Figazi, who was an assistant director at the FBI, who suggested that we should start locking up politicians or implied as much in an appearance on MSNBC. We played it last week. You heard it yourself. This guy was in the FBI. Here's another guy who was in the FBI. He was the acting director at one point. Ran the whole outfit. One of the most powerful men in the country. Andrew McCabe. I have... I haven't seen an appearance hit, what they call them in the media, hit in the media business. I haven't seen a hit in a long time on the media where a guy outs himself so clearly than Andy McCabe does right here. I want you to notice what he does. Andy McCabe's pretty confident that the January 6th was, a, it was an insurrection. They were going to take down the United States. He's confident about white supremacists and all that other stuff. But when asked about the Bernie Sanders supporter who shot up the ball field and nearly killed a couple members of Congress, including Steve, Steve Scalise, and actually asked them if they were Republicans or Democrats first, Andy McCabe seems a little unsure and confused about what the motive was there. You want to talk about a guy whose priorities are screwed up? He ran the agency. Check this out. Yeah, it was, Kate, and an incredibly deft way to bring in that other side of the equation. I mean, let's call it what it is, right? I think he came right out and said, you know, our our biggest hotspot right now is racially motivated, ethnically motivated extremists, and the and we all know that the broad broad majority of those are are white supremacists, people uh, targeting. Uh, people of color and immigrants and things like that. But he brought the other side of the equation into it by referring to the shooting of the congressional baseball practice. And he did it very carefully by saying a shooting by someone only who committed a shooting only after he confirmed uh, that the players were Republican. So I think that reflects the fact that the FBI still doesn't exactly know what that shooter was up to. They never really uncovered the sort of detailed evidence that laid out a specific plot or an objective, but it is undeniable that he was targeting Republicans. So it was really, I, mean, uh, I thought, very effective. It's undeniable he was targeting Republicans because he asked, are you a Republican? But he says right there, did you catch it? Did you catch it? I left it at that point. Did you catch what he says right before that? The FBI is still unsure about a motive. Bro, the guy asked them, are you Republicans? What do you mean, what's the motive? Are you Republicans? Bang. What do you mean he's trying to kill people who are Republicans? You're confused and, quote, unsure about the motive? Uh, what? Uh, are we serious? This guy ran the FBI. He ran the FBI. 
We're going to go to the next story, but I want to tie this up for you. Again, having been on the inside of this law enforcement operation we have in the federal government, I cannot think of a more destructive situation, a more dangerous situation to the Constitutional Republic than an agency that engages engages in political targeting, misallocates assets on political targets, and uses reverse intelligence. In other words, doesn't give facts to decision makers. Decision makers and politicians give narratives and they generate facts to support the narrative. I cannot think of a more deadly, dangerous situation than that. All right, let me move on. I got a lot of stories to get through. I spent a little more time on that than I planned. I'm only into story two. So, I mean, you know, listen, having some experience there, I think it really matters that you hear from people on the inside how it goes down. Folks, liberalism's all astroturf and boogeyman politics these days. It's all it is. I love to expose them on the show because it matters. It shows you how fake and phony these people are. And if there are some persuadable Democrats left out there, again, I want to show you your entire movement, sadly, is astroturf. It's fake. It's not real grass. It's fake. It's artificial. Here's a video. This is OAN, hat tip OAN, One American News. I want you to pay very close attention to those uh, audio listeners. You can hear it as well. So Biden's at this presser yesterday, and Biden keeps fiddling with this flashcard. On the flashcard is something just staggering. You would think Joe Biden, if he's a liberal and is proud of his liberal ideas, right, that he would be advocating for liberal ideas. Here's why free college is great. You know, here's why we should up the tax rate to 142%. You know, (laughs) here's why we should take over schools, public schools, and not let anybody go to private school ever. You would think he would do that, but that's not what he does. Notice what's on the flashcard. Listen to this uh, this clip by OAN. This is great. Check this out. Joe Biden fiddles with a flashcard of anti-Trump talking points during a press conference in England. Uh, Biden brandishing the card labeled DOJ talking points while speaking Sunday in Cornwall. Uh, the cards include a number of pre-planned answers. That's including a claim that Trump, quote, abused power and that his Justice Department was out of control. This is the DOJ inspector general has recently opened a review into the Trump era seizure of some House Democrats and staff data during a 2018 investigation into leaks about the Russia probe. That's hilarious. Did you see it? All of the talking points are like, make sure you highlight Trump, (laughs) attack Trump, attack Trump. You saw that, Joe? Attack Trump again. (laughs) Say you don't like Trump's hair. Comment on Trump's diet. Say he drinks too many Diet Cokes. He gets two scoops of ice cream. You didn't like his suits. That was a really nasty tie. Everything's about Trump. Proving the point I have told you over and over again. What's the point? That Democrats never run on their own agenda. They run on making the other bad guy, making the other party the bad guy, whatever they run on. They can't make a material fact-based case that white supremacy is the number one threat to the homeland now. So what do they do? They massage the statistics. And if you dare speak out, like they'll do on the show, they do it all the time. What do they say, folks? If you dare speak out and say, wait, wait, is there a case to be made for that? It's a threat, no doubt. But it's a top threat. Is there an actual, what do they say? You're a racist. Racist. You did it. You're a white supremacist, too. He's a white supremacist. They're a white Everybody's a white supremacist. That's what they do. They always make the case about the other guy being worse. That's what by you saw his flashcard. 
By the way, with these Zoom cameras right now, anyone running for office, if you're going to do something like write a note on your hand or anything like that, be prepared. They're going to zoom in and read it. Just a warning. It's all AstroTurf, folks. Boogeyman politics. Who's the boogeyman? Oh, conservatives. Conservatives, libertarians, Republicans, even moderate Democrats. You guys are racist, too. Everybody's a white supremacist. It's all AstroTurf. They don't believe in any of this stuff. They believe in nothing. They don't even practice their own ideas. You doubt me? Check out this Washington Post piece. This is... <laughs> I for, Forgive me. I forget where I saw this on social media. It may have been Logan Hall or Greg Price. Is one. They always have good stuff. But this story is hilarious. Forget the headline is Joe Biden won the presidency by making the most of his lucky breaks. That's not the funny part of the piece. It's in the Washington Post. Here's the funny part of the piece. Keeping in mind, it's all astroturf. Liberals don't believe anything they tell you. They're total frauds. Remember Alinsky's rules. Make them live by their own rules, the libs. Quote, Washington Post, listen to this. For example, planners of the Democrat Party's virtual convention thought about featuring a national map that would highlight the locations of various speakers, thus countering the notion that the party was a club for coastal elites. <laughs> Only to can the idea when they realized multiple speakers would be broadcasting from Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> Hold on. Holding. What is that? 15 yards. Democrats. They're the party of the little guy. The millionaires and billionaires. Hey, oh, terrible Bernie, you're a millionaire. I don't care. So I went to just the search engine and threw this in there. I um, literally put in the search engine, average income in Martha's Vineyard. The average household income in Martha's Vineyard, you can see on the screen, $134,968.39. There you go, folks. Democrats in it for the little guy. It's all AstroTurf. It's all BS. You're just being lied to. They're making buffoons out of you all. They're making, not you all, all of you liberals. I mean, us conservatives were hip to this stuff a long time. These people are total frauds on an epic scale, an exponential scale of fraudulent activity. All right, uh, let me get to my last sponsor. I'm going to move on to a, a different topic, but an important one. Some more pretty shocking information about COVID and a really, Really fascinating clip by Dr. Robert Redfield, who used to head the CDC. Our last sponsor, our friends at GenuCell. Listen, the summer season's upon us. Barbecues, beaches, a lot of fun in the sun like the good old days. But what about taking care of your skin? It's important. My friends at Chamonix have the perfect solution for the summer sun. GenuCell's sunspot corrector. It uses breakthrough ingredients to get rid of those dark blemishes and sunspots from long days in the sun. It's packed with cutting-edge ingredients and a nourishing, hydrating base that delivers results you can see right before your eyes. Here's Stephanie from Fresno, California. She said, I have skin damage from years in the sun. I love this product. It reduces the appearance of sunspots and it leaves my skin looking younger. It's a great product for my age. Chamonix promises results in as little as 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. This is a big fan favorite in my household. My mother-in-law loves this product. They, we cook in the Florida sun all day. Order today and get GenuCell Sunspot Corrector free plus the legendary GenuCell XV Anti-Wrinkle Moisturizer also free when you order GenuCell for under-eye bags and puffiness. Go to GenuCell.com and enter my special code DAN40 for an extra discount. Order now, and the shipping is also free. GenuCell.com, GenuCell.com. That's GenuCell.com. Go today. Thanks, GenuCell. All right, folks, this is an important story. Uh, came out the other day and uh, just, again, reiterates that we have been lied to the entire time on the COVID, what is now scandal. Um, obviously, the 
it's been a tragedy. There have been millions of deaths. It's been a tragedy, the handling of it with the unnecessary lockdowns, the outrageous mask mandates, uh, keeping kids out of school. I mean, this has really been a human tragedy like we haven't seen in a long time. And again, it's not just because of the virus. It's, it's almost more because of the human response to the virus. Making it worse, the human response, is it was based on a series of what appear to be lies. We're just finding out new information that COVID may have been here earlier than possible, which makes it even more important to get to the origin story. Did this come from the lab or not? Damn it. When are we going to get this answer? It's only the most important answer right now of our time. Did we hide this? This is important. Wall Street Journal read this yesterday. From the piece, scientists analyzing blood samples taken from the National Institutes of Health Research Program identified seven people in states from Mississippi to Wisconsin to Pennsylvania who were infected with the new virus days or weeks before the first cases were confirmed in their areas. At least a couple had mild symptoms. Why is this important? Again, because it appears we were lied to again. If the Chinese government knew instantly that they had been working on a lab-generated supervirus that had leaked from the lab and they had told us, maybe we would have been on the lookout and been able to scan for this early and stop these infections. But because they lied to us and the liberal media advanced those lies and still doesn't care to this day, it appears we'll never get to the bottom of what actually happened. It makes stories like this, which I read to you the other day, even more important. Wall Street Journal, intelligence on six staff at Wuhan Lab fuels debate on the COVID-19 origins. From inside the piece, researchers got sick at the lab. In November of 2019, they sought hospital care. From the Chinese Wuhan Institute of Virology, U.S. Intel knew about it. Were we lied to? Could we have stopped this thing early? It appears clear now this leaked from a lab, and it appears even clearer that it was a super virus generated to infect humans. Why? You just making that up, Dan? No, I'm basing my opinion on the double CGG footprint, that code in the virus that we've yet to see in nature. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist in nature. We haven't seen it, but does exist in lab-generated viruses. That's in the coronavirus. I'm also basing it on appearances on the media by smart people, like Robert Redfield, a former Trump coronavirus task force upper level member who did an appearance with Fox News and in the interview said this. And he says, pay very close attention here. He talks about the difference between SARS and MERS. And even though they infected humans, something they were missing that coronavirus was not. Check this out. I think there's clearly two different hypotheses that are credible. One, that this virus uh, evolved uh, from bats into some intermediate animal that is yet to be found and then eventually evolved into humans uh, and then basically became efficiently transmitted among humans. And the other is that this, this virus actually went from a bat into a laboratory where in the laboratory it gained the ability to become a an efficient human-to-human transmitter. And those are both two hypotheses. And I guess if I'm disappointed about anything about the early scientific community is that there seemed to be lack of openness to pursue both hypotheses. You know, it's interesting, if you look at COVID, uh, if you look at SARS, the SARS went from a bat to a civet cat, and it went into man. But it never really learned how to go efficiently man-to-man. And as we sit here today, there's been less than 10,000 cases of SARS 
in over 18 years. When you look at MERS, which is another coronavirus, went from a bat to a camel, and then from a camel to man, and as we sit here today, it still hasn't learned how to go efficiently human to human. We've had less than 4,000 cases. What more damning evidence do you need? Where are the media on this? Oh, Dan, it doesn't matter now. It already happened. No, it matters. The reason we put people in jail for homicides, rapes, burglaries, murders, assaults, and street crimes after the act is done is not because it doesn't matter. It's because we want to prevent them from doing it again. And we believe in a system of justice. What about justice here? We're just going to let this go? He just, that is a fascinating clip there. The science is clear. SARS and MERS did infect humans. And what we know from the data, it appears strongly that they evolved naturally. But they never learned how to efficiently infect human beings. The number of cases was staggeringly low. Thank the Lord. And I'm not using his name in vain. That's not what happened with the coronavirus. The coronavirus knew instantly. No, it doesn't have a conscious, conscious uh, cell in its body. But it was instantly tailored to infect human beings ruthlessly and efficiently with spike proteins, almost uniquely tailored to affect human beings. And what is it, those ACE cell, ACE receptors? How'd they get there? How'd those cleavage sites get there? How did that double CGG code get there? Are they working on another super virus right now? You think we might want to know that? Again, ladies and gentlemen, it's only the biggest scandal of our time. All right, one last story, and we'll have to run kind of short on time. Make sure you tune into my radio show today, by the way. Really appreciate it. 12, <clears throat> excuse me, noon Eastern time at 3 p.m. Check your local radio stations. If you want to hear the Dan Bongino show, by the way, call your radio station, email them. Tweet them, parlor, whatever you got, Facebook, and tell them, hey, you want to hear the show? We'd really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. That's how, you know, they're catering to you, not the other way around, just like I do. And the podcast, this show is for you, not for me. I only get to listen once. This is a crazy story by Fox News showing you how pernicious cancel culture and how infectious it's become in the United States. This is not, this is not a Babylon Bee or the Onion headline. It's not satire. This is a real headline. North Korean defector says even North Korea was not this nuts after attending an Ivy League school. Uh, listen to these quotes. How sad is this? How bad liberal tyranny has gotten in the United States. It's a North Korean defector. You know, Kim Jong Twinkie, that guy, same guy. She defected from there, and she's like, oh, my gosh, it's really bad here, the thought suppression. She says, quote, during orientation, she was scolded by a university staff member for admitting she enjoyed classic literature such as Jane Austen. The defector said, I love those books. I thought it was a good thing, recalled Park. That's her name. Then she said, did you know those writers had a colonial mindset? They were racists and bigots and are subconsciously brainwashing you, the teacher told. Oh, my gosh. It only got worse from there as she realized that every one of her classes at the Ivy League school was infected what she saw as anti-American propaganda, reminiscent of the sort she'd grown up with in North Korea. <laughs> nice job, Libs. Well done. 
You and Kim John Twinkie have something. You guys have run in parallel pass, parallel pass the same time. Your how does it make you feel that your goals and Kim Jong Yodel's goals are the exact same? Communist propaganda and the destruction of the United States. How does that make you feel? How does that really? I'm not kidding. It's a serious question. How does that make you feel? That's all I got for you today, folks. Listen, thanks again for tuning in. I'll stay on top of this summit. Uh, listen, we got some great solid guests. I got Julie Kelly coming up on the radio show today talking about this January 6th debacle. Debacle, you're not going to want to miss. Don't miss the show. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard Dan Bongino.